words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Amen. Um, so for the longest time, I didn't have a word this morning. Is it okay for a pastor to say that? Yeah. I, I didn't have a word. I was like, what? what? And I remember messaging a friend. She was like, come on, you see. You always have a word. Like, I call you and you give me a whole sermon in 10 minutes. I'm like, no. If it's to teach something, oh, I have something to, I, I have thousands of notes to pull up. But the word of the Lord to his people at a time, oh, you have to seek God for that. You have to seek God for God. It's not about preaching a sermon. If it's a sermon, we have plenty. You know. I prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing. At some point last night, I gave up. I said, you know what? <laughs> I'll go there. I'll say, hi, close your heels. <laughs> and then I woke up at 4 a.m. this morning and I was praying. I was like, look, if I last night, I often asked my son. I said, Nathan, I'm going to preach at Ecclesia Hills tomorrow. I said, but I don't know what God wants me to preach. He said, why don't you teach them the thing we just did now during devotion? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, yes. Oh, let me get a note and pen. Let me write the scriptures down for you. <laughs> Honestly, he was so helpful. I said, um, we look for pen in my room. We couldn't find him. I said, let's use the notes on your phone. I said, okay. He opened his cartoon devotional book. He opened it. It was Jesus, um, the widow, who dropped everything she had. You know, He said, I should do that one. Then the next one, I should add, you know, when Jesus is leaving the earth. The things he said, his resurrection of God, I said, how, how these two things won't connect? Do you know, as I was living this morning, he asked me again, do you have your notes? You have that one? I said, don't worry, when I come back, I'll gist you how the thing went. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to tell him I didn't preach it. Because <laughs> he said, I opened it, and this is the scripture under it. Mark 12, from verse, he gave me all the scriptures. I, I ain't kidding. I'm serious. It's right here in my notes. He told me I should call it Ecclesia Hills. The sermon is Ecclesia Hughes. He gave me all the <laughs> He gave me all the verses. I said, thank you, thank you. Just to just to make him feel good, I felt compelled to preach it. Like I can get a good word out of that widow story. You know, but I was like, Lord, I know you pass like that. I know they do like that now, you know. So as I wake up and I and I prayed and I prayed, and around 7 a.m. The Lord gave me clarity, you know. But I kind of felt like it was incomplete. And I, I just, I was like, I know you want me to say these things. But I can't find, I'm one of those people that I need to understand. There must be reason. I'm one of those people that, you know, even my friendships must have purpose attached to it. I'm one of those purpose people, you know. So I was like, Lord, so what's the purpose? And while I was driving down, my phone, you know, plays songs at random. And as soon as it played one track, my spirit, I, I was like, yes, I get it, I understand what you're saying, Lord. You know, and it drew me back to a conversation I had with Tiffany um, about two weeks ago, and we're talking, and, you know, at some point she was like, you see, um, what do you think, do you think God would, you know, do X, Y, Z, she was asking me a question about a situation, she was like, what do you think, do you think this is what God, how, how, how do you really see God in all of this? I said, my sister, I don't know. I say of recent times, I have been putting disclaimer to anything that the Lord says now. I'll say it's God that said it all. It's not me. You know, and there was a time when I would say things like, I know that God will never. Now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> to be honest. To be honest, at this point in time right now, I said, Tiffany, I don't know. God has shocked me in many ways recently that I'm in a point where I'm literally like, Lord, reschool me on who you are. Show me again who you are. I know there are foundational things about you that cannot be wrong. I said, but it's obvious there are some areas that I need to lay hold of that I did not get a firm grip on before. So I'm on a mean, journey of being schooled by God or on being schooled on the knowledge of God. And I think that every one of us should be in that place. You know, John thought he knew God. I mean, when he spoke about himself, he would say, John, 
the one whom the Lord loves. Jige, like he under he knew that he is the precious child of God. He's like my son Judah. <laughs> I just look at him sometimes. I say, so you mean I went to conceive, morning sickness, headache, threatened loss of life, everything, just to carry this child and give to the father. I'm not kidding. He said, daddy's boy. No apologies. If you put me, put his father, he will run straight to his dad. Always in his father's arms. Always, if, in fact, the part I love, the part that I don't feel bad about is at night. Nowadays, when he wakes up, he will roll to his father and he'll be crying for food. I'm like, this is wonderful. <laughs> for this cause, I have no problem. Love your father. So now, see, Bobby, he will get up, he will carry him, he will be saying, babes, babes, my mind, I said, not purely babes. You <laughs> go feed the picking. You <laughs> now go, I ain't grumbling, making the food. I like, you will be fine. People want, want to love each other. There you go. Uh-huh. You know. So John was kind of like that. Judah knows he can get away with anything with Bobby. My goodness. I'm just like, what is going on here? I'll soon go Roast cane, short size for his size. So I can be anything. But people tell you, sorry, I'm like, sorry for what? And John was kind of like that. He just knew that, look, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I am the one that he loves. And there was a time when, and then John met this same Jesus in Revelation. And when Jesus came to him in his glory, he fell on his face. He said, as though I was dead. That's to tell you the gravity of the shock. He's like, is this the same Jesus? <laughs> and then Jesus began to say things to him. And he began to say that, write these things down. These things I'm saying to you, whoever reads it is going to be blessed. I need you to understand the encounter he had with him. He said, whoever reads the things I am imputing into your spirit right now, just by reading it, they become blessed. Now imagine how blessed the man that received it was. Now imagine how powerful and how different what he was being told was from what he knew before. The difference was so great that it evoked a blessing. John would have thought, I know Jesus. I knew him while he was alive and he was our friend laughing and going to parties with us. And then I knew him when he died and he resurrected and he would appear to us. And, you know, he said, oh, Thomas, put your hand here, put your hand here, you know. And he, he would disappear, he would walk through walls. What more is there to know? And then he meets another version of this same Christ and it shocks him so much. He's like, I can't get up. I can't even look at you. Do you know that, that those encounters are still possible? It may not be as dramatic as John's in terms of an instant in time, but in your journey with the Lord, there are yet places. And that's how that Pastor Chintok song, how does it he say? There are places that we haven't entered, dimensions, dimensions to enter. You've opened the door, no man can shut. It says, in your places that we haven't yet seen, dimensions to enter, you've opened the door, no man can shut. In God, there are places we haven't yet seen. Dimensions to enter. I want you to understand that there's a time when you are hungry on your own and there's a time when you realize that you have to go and find hunger. If you're constantly waiting for God to be the one that stirs you up to be hungry for him, you would not grow. You would not experience the dimensions of his grace, the dimensions of his love, the dimensions of his power. There must come a stage where you say to yourself, this is not enough. This, 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 this God that I know this image that I, have, I know is not enough. There must be another place in him. 
There must be another attribute in him that is able to bring me into the fullness that my heart desires right now. A hunger, a thirst. So I said to her, I said, Tiffany, honestly, I don't know. I said, I wish I could, you know, tell you according to Mark, so, 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 here is what I believe the Lord is doing. I said, I don't know. I said, even I am going back to the school of the Lord. And what was the song in my car that stirred me up? Because today I'm talking to you about when you don't know what to do. Because I am at that stage where I'm like, you know what, there are so many decisions to be made, but I actually don't know what to do. I don't know if to go left. I don't know if to go right. Has anyone ever been there? Or maybe I'm the only one in this church. I'm the only one. Eh? No. Let me see your hand. If you've ever been in a place where you are shaka blasting, you are powerful, but you don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's okay. It offers an opportunity. So, um, can you play that song for me? Do you, do you have it? Is it possible? So this was the song that, you know, and when you go, go back, you can just download it on iTunes and listen to it. Just play it a bit for me. I'll tell you where to stop. Who knows the song? Come on. Uh-huh. Let's go. I know the way Who knows that he voice? walks I've seen the past He trusts As the Spirit is all over me Guiding me safely in the way can take you away you know and as I was as soon as it started playing Uche ah something happened to my spirit and I realized that what God was saying to me was when you don't know what to do stay on the journey he said because I'm leading you safely in the way I'm taking you somewhere he said and your confidence to journey is the knowledge of the fact that you are the apple of my eyes you are the smile that splits my face you are the joy that fills my heart. I know it's very easy to talk about who God is to us, but this is who we are to God. You know, I was reading about Gen I was reading Genesis again recently, Uche. And at the point where he said, he was talking about everything that God made. He says, and these were the things, this is the generations, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth in the day that God made them. That doesn't make any sense. How can generations be in a day? So in God's day, he made the generations of the heavens and the earth. So by the time we even got to know the heavens and the earth, it was already old. You understand? It was already old. So what science is saying is correct about the years and the dates of the earth. Because even though it was in a day to the Lord, but it was in generations. He made them and he saw them. He brought them to perfection. He watched the systems, how they worked. Rain. Okay, 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 okay. Fantastic. This is how it moves. Okay, this is how the cloud, the oceans, everything. Is it in place? He took his time to create the generations of the heavens and the earth. And he looked at it all. As far as it met his purpose and it fitted into his timing, he said, okay, it is good. Next thing, next thing. And then he created man. See, for God to have taken so long to make creation, you, could have, you would have thought that what he would he put in charge would be himself. But then he created this being and then he put this being right there in the garden. And he says he made him to have his image and his likeness. Who would even 
there. Who would even do that knowing fully where that Satan had fallen to this same earth? And then he puts a man who looked exactly like him and carried the same thing that he did. The nature, the tendency, the ability to reason. I pray that God will restore us and in our time we'll begin to see the restoration to the full man. I was saying to myself, the things that scientists spend time studying now, trying to understand, trying to unravel the heavens and the earth, trying to go to Mars, trying to go to space. God made it all in his day, one day. And then man actually was able to name so many things. That's original man. Everything he called the animals was what he became. And today we are spending years studying animals. Meanwhile, it was one man that gave everything its nature. I pray that God will restore us back to that level of intelligence and intellectual capacity. And somehow we'll begin to, you know, just feel the restorative hand of God upon our lives. But you know, as I read about Genesis and I read about the investment of God in man, it hit me, I said to myself, I said, you know, even in my worst days, I am super special. Even in my downtime, I am very important to the heavens and the earth. Even in the days when I feel condemned, my goodness, this world, this generation needs me. And I'm saying this to somebody who is also probably journeying like me. And you're at that point where you're like, Lord, there's just so much. I don't know what to do. Anytime you get to that point, just know that the Lord is provoking a journey out of you. Just know that the Lord is provoking the opening of a new door inside of you. Just know that the Lord is crying out for a fresh zeal from you. Every time you get to the point where you're like, I don't know what to do. Know that the Lord is trying to stir you up to a higher knowledge, to a higher form of thinking. Every time you feel like I have hit a, you know, just a deadlock, a wall, I can't go further. Know that the Lord is trying to show you how to leap over walls. The seeming limitations of our lives are not limitations in the eyes of God. They are actually trainings that the hand of God is trying to bring us into. Every time the Israelites felt like, you know, on this journey, we have come to the end of ourselves. Look at the scriptures very carefully. God was actually trying to show them something else. God was actually trying to teach them something new. But they did not have the humility to receive the process of God. And that's why when you come to a phase like this, one of the first things you need is humility. Because human beings are programmed naturally to know, to understand, to be able to tell what is happening and what is going on. So when you get to a phase that you cannot tell, you do not know, there is a tendency to want to walk in pride. And the pride is to want to fix things in your flesh. The pride is to want to make things happen by yourself. And that pride is what will shut you out from seeking God. And what will shut you out from pushing into his presence. But what you don't understand is that that limitation was meant to trigger a new kind of engagement with the spirit. That limitation was supposed to be the hunger pang inside of you. That would enable you to receive the download of the next phase of God for your life. When you don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do. In 2 Kings um, 3, some kings gathered together. And they were going to go to battle against Moab. Three kings actually. One of them was Jehoshaphat. And one was Jeroboam, I believe. And Jeroboam. And they went and as they were going to go, the one said to the other, oh, how should we go? He said, oh, we're going to go through the wilderness. And they got to a point, it was like, man, this journey is, is looking very tedious. And then in 2 Kings 3 verse 11, but Joshua said, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Get it to the prophet of thy father. Go and meet Baal. Go and meet all the prophets that your father your father worshipped. I have no business with you. Now you have issues. You want to remember me. So I have no business with you. He said, nay, for the Lord had called these three kings. So um, Jehoshaphat replied, 
you know, go to the prophets of your father, to the prophets of your mother. And I believe his mother was Jezebel. So he said, go to the prophets of your mother. And, and the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord had called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely where it is, it surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look towards thee nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus said the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see the wind, neither shall you see the rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle. And your beast, and this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand, and ye shall smite every fenced city and every choice city, and shall and shall fell every good tree, and stop all wells of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning, when the meat offering was offered, that behold, there came water by the hand of Edom, and the country was filled with water. They went to Elisha and said, hey. And Elisha was like, look, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to attend to you. I'm not going to do this for you. Because there is a background of idol worship in your life. There's a background of serving false gods. There's a background of all kinds of evil and demonic covenants. So it is impossible for me to help you. It's not because I'm being vengeful. It's not because your, your mother tried to kill my father in the Lord or your grandmother tried to kill my father in the Lord. No, that's not why. But I'm telling you it is impossible for me to engage with you because the covenant you carry is making it impossible for me to come and invade your life. And sometimes we come to a point like that and we are like this king of, of Israel, Jeroboam at the time. And we come to a point where we realize that you know what I really need God there is an army I need to go against there is an army I need to conquer there is an army that I need to plunder because they have taken from me what is rightfully mine they are trying to minimize my authority the kingdom of darkness has risen against me the kingdom of darkness has come against me hell and Satan is trying to break down the defenses of my life I can tell that they are trying to get my children I can tell they are trying to get my business I can tell they are coming against my marriage I know that I need to go to war against this but at the same time I seem not to know what to do I seem not to have the right strategy for battle I am advancing I am fasting I am praying but I'm not getting the necessary result because I am going by the way of the wilderness and it seems like all my strategies and all my systems are like wilderness systems even though I have I'm trying to deploy them even though I have gone and gathered for myself pastors I've gone and gathered for myself friends I'm joining every prayer meeting I'm going for every prayer service but still, I can't seem to cross over to the place of victory. I can't seem to arrive at the point where I will get deliverance. And he said to himself, is there no prophet in the land? Is there no seer? Is there no vision? Is there no one in the body of Christ who can tell me what to do? Is there no pastor who can categorically say, this is the way of the Lord? Is there no one who has journeyed on this path before? Come on, I need clarity on some issues. What is the Lord saying concerning this? What is the Lord saying concerning this business? Since COVID began, it has not made any profit. Would the Lord have me shut it down? Would the Lord have me go get money? Is he okay with me loaning? What should I do, God? Or maybe your own situation, you're saying to yourself, what should I do about this marriage? What should a woman do when her husband has cheated on her over and over again and perhaps he even beat her? They say don't divorce. They say it's not good. The Lord hates divorce. But does the Lord hate me? Why would he make me stay in something so painful and so crazy? How about the man who feels like he's losing his mind? He's getting depressed. The bills are so much. He has the opportunity to do just one dirty thing. And then he can take care of his family. He can take care of life. Or the other thing is to run away or probably commit suicide. Is there no prophet in the land? I'm not talking about a national prophetic word. That is fantastic. But sometimes we just need a domestic word. An individual word. We just need to know what's going to happen. What do I do? 
So he was down the right path. He knew that, look, what he was against at that moment needed a prophet. It needed clear court direction. And here they went to this prophet who is renowned, who is known. And he says to him, I'm not going to attend to you. It sounds like some people and all the prayers you've been doing. And it almost feels like the Lord is saying to you, I'm not going to attend to you. But the question is, why? Are there things the Lord has said to you before now to take care of and you haven't taken care of them? Are there things in your life you know you should not be sitting on and you are still sitting on them? And I was talking to some people recently and I said, you know that a man is almost finished when he creates structures around his weaknesses. The moment you begin to push structures around it, and you begin to defend it and you automate it and you beautify it so that even when people look at it they're confused it doesn't look like weakness anymore because of how efficiently it is working <laughs> just know that you're coming to an end is it that God will disgrace you or God will save your soul by taking you out of this world and so Elisha looked at him and said no there is a foundation of false worship in your life. There is a foundation of lie and lying covenants. The blood of many pastors, apostles, prophets, preachers on your hands. When we go to your Facebook post, all you talk about is how the church is doing so poorly. All these pastors, all these, these. You've killed more Christians than you have raised by your crazy crusades. And it's like, I'm not going to attend to you. You are projecting your brokenness on a generation. He says, go fix yourself. Go find God. Don't just come looking for a prophetic word. Seek for a prophetic encounter. Seek for a prophetic change. Don't just look for a word to, sell, to change the immediate problem. How about you go back and you renounce certain things? How about you go back and you topple certain altars? How about you go back and you fix your devotional life? You fix your prayer chamber? You fix your study time? You put yourself on a routine for spiritual things the same way you put yourself on a routine when you want to lose weight to fit into a wedding dress. How about you go back and apply that same seriousness, Jeroboam? I'm not going to attend to you. And he said, if not because I regard Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. If not because I see that there is yet a part of you that cried for God. If not because I see just that tiny glimpse of purity and innocence and cry, even though you are easily deceived and drawn away, but I see something inside of you that still seeks for God that still seeks for truth I still see a glimpse of humility and passion in you he said if not because of that I would not attend I would not tell you what to do I don't know whose word this is or the person may even be online and the spirit of God is saying to you where is the Jehoshaphat inside of you you are arguing with God you are being depressed. You are pulling back. You are throwing all kinds of spiritual tantrums. Because you are speaking from the voice of Jeroboam. You are still coming to God from the place of your failed expectations and the failed, your failed responsibilities towards the faith. He said, how about you change the projection of your conversations? Where is the Jehoshaphat in you? Where is that part of you that still bows down before God? And when you lift your voice in worship, your heart just breaks under the weight of his presence and you are there crying. Where are the days of your true encounters with the Spirit? Hold on to it. That might be the only thing that gets you through the season. That might be the only thing that will give you deliverance in this wilderness. 
That part of your heart you haven't yet hardened. That part of your soul that still trembles at God. That part of your spirit that still wants to get up at night and say, my God, where are you? Where is the Jehoshaphat in you? Where is the part of you that still cries? That still has hope? That still believes that in the midst of darkness, light can break through? Where is the part of you that still honors the ancient landmarks of the spirit? That still trembles at, at, at the workings of God? Where is the part of you that still has honor and reverence for spiritual disciplines? Where is the Jehoshaphat in you? He said, that is what I will regard. That is what I will look to to bring you deliverance. That is what I will look at to be able to help you in this battle and seasons of life. Not because you are raising an accusation against me. Not because you feel you know more than the systems and structures that I, God, set up. Not because you think you can bring me to judgment. No! But in my mercy, I am still searching for the glimpse of holiness and righteousness. And Elijah said to them, get me a minstrel. Fill the atmosphere with the presence of God. Fill the atmosphere with something that is greater than your weakness and your brokenness. Fill the atmosphere with the worship of him. Fill it with the exaltation of his name. Let the glory of God cover the darkness. And let the fullness of his spirit, let it fill the atmosphere. Let the wisdom of his grace and the wisdom of his knowledge be sung above the broken realities of this world. Let the voices of the people of God be lifted up in a cry and an adoration of who is it? Who he is? Fill the atmosphere, Maria fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it let the presence of God penetrate let it permeate, let it come into your room let it come into your business let it come into your prayer chamber yes, Jeroboam may be with you but Jehoshaphat can you allow the voice of God still cry out of you can you remember the voices on the scripture can you say he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty oh I will say oh my God he is my refuge and my fortress can you still find inside of you a stress in scripture that can resonate with your soul can you still say oh my God hearken to my voice when I call out to you you will hear me in the morning oh God and you will answer me in the noon time you will bring my enemies to their knees oh God they that seek to eat my flesh my God you will rise up from Zion and in your mercy you will utterly destroy them my God are you not the light of Israel are you not the one that shines from Zion and the darkness of our time dissipates and the coming of my God do the mountains not skip like rams oh God do the rivers not part and make way for you oh the Jehoshaphat in me crying out to you my king fill the atmosphere fill the atmosphere fill the atmosphere Elisha said there is a word for you there is a deliverance for you there is a liberation for you but the atmosphere is the problem the atmosphere is filled with the incantations it is filled with the chanting of Jeroboam it is filled with the chants of the altars of Baal it is filled with the chants of culture it is filled with the chants of the nation he said but fill the atmosphere until you learn to feel the atmosphere you cannot provoke a word of direction until you learn to feel the atmosphere you cannot bring the right kind of clarity to this game <laughs> are you not tired are you not tired hit and miss Christianity never setting if it is the way to go constantly unsure of the critical issues of life are you not tired Elisha said feel the atmosphere is there yet a war inside of you is there yet a cry inside of you is there yet a desire to conquer in you or have you given up 
Have you sat down so that all the kings of Edom will come and take the possession of God from your hand? Feel the atmosphere. He said, if it were to be Jehovah, I would do nothing. If it were to be about your weakness and your brokenness, your inconsistency and your, your love for the idols of this world, I would do nothing. He said, but I look upon Jehoshaphat. He said, but before I can do this, even though I have decided to step in and to help you and to save you, but before I can do this, there needs to, there do this, there needs to be a shift in the atmosphere. There needs to be a shift in the atmosphere. And he said, feel that we worship. Let us begin to speak about God. Let us begin to chant about his greatness. Let us begin to talk about his power and his majesty. He said, as he did that, Elisha began to prophesy. Elisha began to say, thus say the Lord. Dig ditches here. And this is like a word to those people who go to prophets and you're just like, oh, I want to know what to do. I want to know what to say. Shift the atmosphere and you will hear God speak. Shift the atmosphere and you will hear the mind of God concerning the matter. Our problem is that we don't know how to be atmosphere shifters. Because you see, what is in the atmosphere is not breeze, it's not wind, it's not oxygen. It is because you are seen with the light that the human eye can see from. When your spiritual eye is turned on, you begin to see the different things that are standing in the room. The angels that are there. The demons that are oppressing and intimidating people. You begin to see all kinds of things in the atmosphere. You begin to see the glory of God pushing to come into your life. But you see that there is yet something standing at the door. Raising all kinds of things against you and saying, no, she doesn't deserve it. She has done this wrong. She hasn't done this right. She hasn't... When you see the atmosphere for you, Kapele Uzada, and you realize that what you have can change it all. Prayer will not be a question. Worship will not be an opinion, a matter of opinion. Do I feel like or don't I feel like? You realize that this is the only way. This is the only way to secure your inheritance. This is the only way to secure the borders of your life. This is the only way to journey in this world. There's no other option. Unless you want to journey at the mercy of hell. What Satan gives to you as a daily bread is what you take. There comes a point in the life of a man when you break out. There comes a point in the life of a man where you pull yourself away from what is usual and you cling to that which should be destiny. There comes a point in the life of a man this is the reason why people leave buses they have worked with for 10 years. You get to a point and you see a vision. And you know that there is something ahead of me. That even though I love where I am, but the cry for who I should be is greater than where I am. It forces the man to take risk. It forces the man to pull away. It forces the man to break covenant. It forces the man to challenge tradition and culture. Where is the lion in you? Why have you succumbed for so long to the brokenness and the limitations of darkness? He says, shift the atmosphere. Change the game. Turn the tables on the head of Satan. Shift it, shift it, shift it, shift it. Take the Jeroboam and go into repentance. Take one week of fasting and ask for nothing else. Shift the atmosphere. Say, my God, my God, have mercy on my soul. I know that I have erred against you. I know I have transgressed against you. Father, I refuse to keep deflecting when you are correcting me. I come into the counsel of your will. If it will break me, let it break me. If it will remove me, let it remove me. If it will challenge me, let it challenge me. But here I am, Lord. I refuse to take out of your presence the man that is not fully formed in your nature. Where is the warrior? He says, labor to come into his rest. This is the only labor that you are allowed to do in the kingdom. The labor to arrive at the place where you are one with God and he's at peace with you. He said, Jeroboam. Let the Jehoshaphat in you 
be what provokes the mercy of God. Be what provokes the, the, the power of God. Be what provokes the judgment of God against your enemy. You can journey for so long. But when it comes to the point of inheritance, Jehovah needs to realize that only the God of Jehoshaphat can save him. You can journey for so long. But when you come to the point of destiny, when you come to the point of the great crossing, when you come to the point of the mighty transition, you need to realize that the Jeroboam in you needs to make way for the God of your Jehoshaphat. That is the point where men repent of things that they have sat with for so long. That is the point where men tell themselves that indeed, let me not lie. There's a problem in my family line. Perhaps it is time for me to do a spiritual deep dive. To begin to discover what are the things that are not adding up in this house. That is the point where a man wakes up and he changes his name for Orisha Olua, Orisha something, and he changes to Olu something. Those are the points of determination, the point of destiny. That is the point where one man changes things for generations to come. When you arrive at the point where you realize that I am unwilling, I am no more willing to share destiny with hell. You wake up and you say if there's something to be done, let it be done. You take two weeks off and the world says you must be crazy. No one leaves work, no one leaves labor, no one leaves hustle for two weeks to go and pray. You say you've not seen it before, here is the man. Because I understand that there is a God whose hand is not bound by time or space. He is the one that can bring to performance the desires of his heart in a single moment. And he does it when Jehovah aligns with Jehoshaphat. And they come under the lordship of the God of Jehoshaphat. I know there is a God like that. The things you use 10 years to hustle for, one month of realignment will bring you back on the path of destiny. One month. And as they feel the atmosphere, he said, listen, listen, listen. This thing is an easy thing for God to do. It's an easy thing. You didn't even need to align yourself. God could have done it with one boy in Judah. You didn't even need to make covenants with those strange people. You didn't even need to marry that man for money. If you shifted the atmosphere long enough, earlier enough, you would have known that God can do this easily. You didn't need to journey all that way. Waste all the resources of Israel and Judah just to arrive at digging ditches. You went and bought weapons of war. You went and gathered all kinds of things, fed thousands of troops only to arrive at digging ditches. If only you prayed earlier, you would not have made the mistakes that you have made. He said, but now that we are here, <laughs> because he's the God that causes all things to work together for good. My father will say, now the day when person wake up, Nine be morning. You don't say good morning before you wake up. Uh -huh. That's why you call some people at 1 p.m. They say good morning, Pia. I say no, it's afternoon now. That means you just woke up. Say actually, Pia, I slept. I slept late. I just woke up right now. Hey. Now when you wake up, they shout good morning. Elisha said, nevertheless, there is something God can do for you because you don't wake up. He said, dig ditches in this wilderness. Make room for God in the midst of this seemingly hopeless situation, dry situation, broken situation. Make room for God. Make room for God. Make room for the values of God. Make room for the virtues of God. Make room for the love of God. Make room for the ministering of the Spirit. 
in this dead marriage, go back and say, good morning. God bless you. Go back and fall on your knees for that spouse. Pray again. Cry out again. Make ditches in the wilderness. It is the ditches that God will fill. A lot of us are crying out for a move, but we are unwilling to move. We want God to meet us in our limitation. We want God to meet us in our standard. We have resolved how we should be. That's why you are still where you are. A wise man does not learn to wait for, does not wait to learn from his mistakes. He moves quickly at the rebuke of God. Dig ditches. In that business, go back and dig ditches. Go and ask yourself, did I miss some things? If there's somebody you are owing, go and pay them their money. Don't take that money and buy quick tickets to America. Just a quick trip. Who quick trip help? You go, you come back, you stay there with 10 million. You understand? So you see this escapist mentality that this generation has. Once something gets tough, I just, I just need time. I just can't do this. I just, I just feel like my head, I'm not in the right head space. Auntie, bring your head into this space. Because you see this space is your reality. Oh, yes. Escape the head space. You see the space is waiting for you. In fact, in the time that you are away, the space gets bigger. It grows. When you come back, even you, you will not know where to pass to enter the space. Have a deal with it mentality. Deal with it mentality. Nip it in the board. These days, I don't even wait for it to become what I have to deal with. I quickly, pew. as I just see the thing, pew. quickly. Quick one week fast. Quick fast. Instead of quick trip, do quick fast. Just quick. Stop it there. What's wrong with you? Rebellious Satan. You know the year war, now in nature. The best way they do it is stubborn. Meanwhile, you, you they polite. Oh, polite help. You polite, polite, polite. Business don't die. Marriage don't end. Children don't they smoke a book. You still they polite. Won't you tear shirts and go to war? Oh, yes. Don't you think it's a small thing that the children of Israel used to see? When problem come, they would just rent their garment like Hokogan. Tear the thing. Ash on the head. Rub every other, but they'll be wailing and shouting. Perhaps if they did not have the natural ginger, as they are tearing the shirts, they'll be feeling the intensity of their situation. Oh, you Christians, you're so dramatic. Yes, actually. Oh, yes. Because you sit down in that nice coziness, your life will become the drama that people will be watching very soon. It will just be unfolding, breaking, one by one. Uh -uh. Auntie, get a grip on the matter. Uncle, hold it together. Go into prayer. It's not everything that appears to be bad that is bad. It's not everybody that appears to be misbehaving and evil that is actually evil. Let me explain what I'm saying to you. Judge nothing in the natural because you are not warring against flesh and blood. Jesus will pick people who were literally caught in adultery. Forgive them. Add them to his protocol team. Jesus, you know here what he do. You don't sleep with another person, not be your husband. This woman has promiscuity inside her. He said, Don't worry. She's been dwelling in the wrong atmosphere. And I know what is wrong with her. The root of her transgression is the spirit of condemnation. So I dealt with it the moment I said, Let he that is without sin cast the first stone. The moment she realized I'm not condemned, she stopped sinning. The things that worry people. It's not what is apparent. 
And so they've been saying, this woman, ah, she's always going, oh, we don't know what's wrong. She's such a whatever. That's not what's wrong with her. It's not sex that is doing her. There is something else. The spirit of condemnation, who knows what her backstory is? Who knows? If all her life growing up, they said, you, you cannot, please, you don't have to do anything. Like, you don't have, she has gone with that weight of, I'm not good enough. So anybody who said, fange, She'll just follow. Because this one thinks there's something good in me. So when Jesus was going to deliver her, what did he do? He said, let he that is without sin. And he showed her, sweetheart, you are not condemned. They are all the same. You, you've just allowed Satan to build a mountain on top of your head over the thing that everybody's struggling with. I think get up and sin no more. The one at the well, what was doing her? She was thirsty. Her throat was dry. Thirsty. So she'll marry one, marry two, marry three, marry her. Bah. Think about it. It's not normal now. But you that you married husband for, you married her. At the moment you saw her, every time you put her purse in uh, Amos's house, you see the way she's a great Amos. You say it's like you want to leave me and follow five. And you say, before she leaves me, I'm just going to chase her out. Uncle, the thing that is worrying her is not a moss. There is a hunger, can you not tell? There is something broken that only the water of life can feel. I'm telling you, when you get a grip on the matter, because if Satan wants to make you lose, he will just break all the things in your life that were meant to serve you. And the moment all you see is brokenness, broken, we're broken, we're broken, I leave. You will realize that one day you'll be standing without anything. But if you have the eye of the spirit, you can look at the back end of a matter and begin to know how to pray, how to reorganize, how to adjust. You are able to fight against the wiles of Satan, the coiling serpent whose strategy is to snuff life out of you before he breaks you. So the day you wake up and you're just feeling, I just feel down in a certain way. Ah, ha, ha, change the atmosphere. Down in a certain way. Now down in a certain way, down in a certain way, 9% enter depression. We are not down in a certain way. You would break out in praise and worship. You would speak in tongues as you are in the kitchen, as you are batting your children. As you are carrying that weight. Inside the gym, they are like this, brother. Why? Because you understand that this life is spiritual. You get most of food chest. More for spirit, you'll be like a boy linko. What's the use? What is the use? As you are dreaming the physical, you dream the spiritual. It's not optional. It is what has to be done. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. And what we know to do is to stand after we have done all to stand. And standing requires a measure of consciousness. Who they sleep, not they stand. You understand? So it requires a measure of consciousness. It requires a measure of presence. You need to be deliberate and intentional. Standing is a sign that you take a position. Standing is a sign that you have an opinion on the matter. Standing is a sign that you are willing to bend your knee. Standing is a sign is that you are willing to wait until you see the change. When you have done all to stand, stand. That means when you have exhausted all your options, remain in the last position that God put you. And while you are there, do the spiritual things that enabled you to arrive at that point in the first place. Build yourself up in the Holy Ghost. Praying always in the Spirit. How come you enjoy superhero movies? How come you enjoy movies when they show people with extra powers, with interaction with the extraterrestrial, yet you who have this supernatural, you are ashamed of it. 
Don't you know that Satan is preparing a generation for engagement with the spiritual so that it becomes natural for you to see somebody walking with 10 horns on his head. He's preparing a generation for the supernatural. But we who are the first recipients of the true supernatural life, we are willing to live it out. We are willing to show the world. We are willing to create the path so that others will follow. You think that the time is over, but it's actually your time. You don't have to see the wind. You don't have to feel the wind. You don't have to see the rain. This is not the kind of thing that God will do by physical senses. It's the kind of thing that will come upon you. You will not hear it approaching. It will just happen. It's the kind of miracle that if you are looking out for signs, you will not see it. You will think the miracle is not going to happen. Many times we are asking for a sign. Just show me something. Just tell me something. But he says you will not see anything. You will not see anything. The key to the miracle here is that you stand. You stay. You remain. I pray that the Spirit of God will fill you up with enthusiasm. You know, there was a time where I could see the enemy about to eat me up fully. But I didn't have the strength to fight. And I didn't have the strength to fight because my ability to fight was also attacked. Let me explain it to you. So before the trouble came, Satan started just, you know, and you begin to feel like you have to change your personality to become more subtle to become because you're he just, he just first of all starts by condemning your strength and then before you know what's happening you are not a warrior and then he brings you trouble so that you can't rise up and fight anymore you have no power anymore so that was what he did he went until I arrived at the point where I was like God please who am I just bestow my identity just help me and the next thing boom so when that one came I couldn't pray so I went on my knees that day I said God if you leave me they will finish me I said in fact I see the end of this matter I see the end I said but God if you will have mercy on me I said because there is no more fight in me there is no zeal to actually want this to be right I said but if you will have mercy on me once again, help me to shake myself the way that Samson did. Shook himself once again. If you will help me, Father, then I will join you and go to war. I said, because I know you want to war against this. I said, help me, fill me with strength, my God. I didn't begin by trying to say, I rebuke in the name of Jesus. I just come against this. No, auntie, what would they tell ourselves truth? So I went with truth into the spirit and I said, Lord, you and I know that I'm not in the place for warfare. But if you will restore, I will join you. And the Lord began to strengthen me again. And the moment I found my roar, I began to roar like the lion. Chase out the enemy. Found my position once again and I stood. So this morning, if you feel you don't have the sufficient fight in you, ask God to give you. That's why I told you that story. Because I've seen God do it. Don't look at me. I'm not Jesus. And I'm not going to pray for you this morning. That's not happening. I want you to pray for yourself. Take advantage of the fact that we are together here and pray. Take advantage of it. And say, God, give me the fight once again. Don't let me overlook things in my life that are going to bring me down. Don't let me be at peace with destruction. Don't let me be okay with a situation that is going to steal from me. Don't let me be afraid to say no to a relationship that is breaking your covenant in my life. Give me the fight once again. Give me the strength to war once again. Don't let me look at my child's head deteriorating and I'm just there jumping from doctors to doctors when I know that the solution is on my knees. 
show me how to war. Show me how to navigate through the realm of the spirit. I'm looking at my prayer life dwindling and I'm just there. God, make me uneasy with anything that does not facilitate your presence. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, my God. Cause the day to break. Cause the light to shine. Cause the new rain to come upon me. Cause the curtains to be pulled back. Let us season a new season of vigor and a new season of strength. Let it arrive in my life. God, cause me to rise up from the grave and from the brokenness. Cause me to arise from the rubbles of the past and give me the strength, oh God, to be able to build and establish in a new day. I trust in you, my God. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.